0: a ratio marketing podcast. You know, the most common is somebody that's due for an annual well visit. Looks like you are, um, it's been over a couple of years. Would you like me to help you get that scheduled for you? Again, sounds very simple in other industries. That is a challenge in healthcare, but a very you know feasible way to show folks that you know them, create that one-to-one personalization and ultimately retain your patients. So I think it's it's really that piece of, of personalization. Have you ever wished you had a healthcare provider on speed dial?
1: Someone you could call to validate your product market fit. Someone to listen and help you see your solution differently. Welcome to Healthcare Market Matrix, a podcast to help you see your market clearly. We dive deep into the challenges faced by healthcare organization leaders that technology has the chance to help them solve. It's all about gaining the kind of understanding you need to effectively connect with your market. Join us as we explore the healthcare market matrix. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Healthcare Market Matrix. I'm your host, John Farkas, and joining me in the Ratio Studios is Mitch Holdwick. And Mitch and I are going to spend some time today exploring the realm of consumer engagement in healthcare. And Mitch comes at that honestly. He spent more than 14 years with healthcare marketing uh, focus and CRM and consumer engagement strategies with an underscore in the uh patient acquisition universe and he's led teams working to drive volume with roi specific to business and service line priorities and so a lot of pertinent conversations in today's realm that we can have around that he's uh he worked as the director of marketing and director of consumer engagement at trinity health for a while and uh, and at an enterprise they're an enterprise level health system in the michigan area where he helped drive growth and improve engagement and access. And so he also has briefly spent some time working in a digital health and technology company in the product marketing realm. And right now, he leads consumer transformation efforts for Innovacer, which is a company I know a number of our listeners are very familiar with. And uh, I'm eager to learn more about his work there. So Mitch, welcome to Healthcare Market Matrix.
0: Thank you so much, Ted. A pleasure to be here.
1: So Mitch, tell us a little bit about your journey, how you got from into this realm, because that's, you know, let's face it, this isn't a normal, you know, it's not something that a kid wakes up after college and just says, I really want to jump into the healthcare data universe. What does that, uh, what does that meant for you?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. You're right. It was not a linear path for me as I'm sure it has (laughs) not been for many of your listeners and supporters, but, uh. Um, as you mentioned, um, spent most of my career, roughly 14 years, on the hospital health system side at Trinity. And I really started out mar- as a marketing specialist, uh, and kind of worked my way up as a manager into a director role, and uh, kind of found my sweet spot professionally um, in the in the realm and space of uh, you know digital marketing, CRM. I became really interested. Um, with technology and how things work and how we can really leverage those solutions yep. to better serve our patients and community members. But the last two years of my time at Trinity actually was thrust into a role right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and I know all your listeners can appreciate this. I had beginning literally the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we had we're on the heels of an of an epic go live. And um, we were, the call center that I was going to be supporting had just acquired the fifth hospital. So, operationally Hmm. speaking, it was a lot of complexity, a lot of nuances going on. A lot of converging factors. Yes, yes. Um, But it really forced me uh, to learn a lot about the operations side and how operations and technology work together with people. Um, and it, and it created, it kind of heightened my awareness and passion, not just for digital marketing and acquisition, but overall consumer engagement. Um, and so it was, uh, I would say two of the most challenging, but equally, if not more rewarding years of my career, um, having the opportunity to serve with and support a call center and all the agents, um, in addition to my work in in um, uh, digital marketing so transitioning from that i i um had an opportunity to to take a leap into the dark side as they say on the on the vendor and the vendor side um where i got even a little more broad as it related to digital health and the technology that supports all of that and uh really just kind of um recognizing the undeniable momentum that we are continuing to see in the industry. And there's so many opportunities, um, if you're willing to, to, to take some risks and, and, and take a jump, which is what I did. Um, and that has uh, opened me up to a whole new world of kind of the product side, but really where my um, passions lie is trying to take everything I've learned from the hospital health system side and now help others um, across multiple organizations. And that's that's kind of the role I'm currently sitting at with uh, Innovator as their director of consumer transformation.
1: Yeah, so help us. Um, so lots there, obviously. I'm, I'm curious about what are some of the things that you saw, especially in those last couple of years, as you talked about that being a particularly uh, impactful time, what some of the things that you saw clearly emerging with Trinity that help spur your interest, underscore the importance. You know, what were some of those those practical factors that you were seeing take shape that made that more front and center in your world?
0: Yeah, you know, honestly, it was it was just the 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 challenge um, of really understanding how technology works from an end user's perspective. So I support it. Um you know agents roughly fifteen to twenty agents and a um, you know highly nuanced uh call center that required a lot of uh, different technologies and platforms for them to to kind of do their jobs and it's hard you know it's really it's really challenging to uh maintain overall call performance while also kind of keeping an eye on opportunities to, um, you know, improve technology, improve overall patient and consumer experience. Um, but I think it was really just that, that challenge of, of seeing firsthand how end users of products and solutions work and how I can help to, to make that a, a better experience for them.
1: That's great. Give us a little backdrop on Innovator. Tell, tell us the, what the company does for the folks who are not familiar with the organization.
0: Yeah, so um, Innovator and I've been here um, uh, just close to uh, eight months now, between seven and eight months, um, company that's very much uh, dedicated to data management uh, for hospitals and health systems, uh, primarily and historically on the value-based care or population health side. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the last two to three years have built out um, an end to end uh, c r m uh, solution and suite of applications specific for healthcare hospitals and health systems. that's kind of where I fit in uh, to the company
1: and, am I right in thinking a lot of that mission and what they're working toward is the unification of patient records and patient data just bringing that all together
0: exactly exactly and that's really what you know kind of inspired me john to to come um to innovation it was a company that is truly dedicated at its core in its dna to getting that piece right uh bringing together disparate data sources into you know one record that can be actionable that can really help uh, care managers marketers all healthcare professionals better serve patients and community members
1: yeah because so often uh clinicians are working with partial data sets um exactly. that that are not reflecting the full picture and uh and relying on the patient's ability to fill in those gaps, which we all know, and especially in more acute scenarios, is not an easy thing to do. So the getting that information lined out really, really well and consistently is is certainly a big part of what I understand the mission of the organization being and is so important right now. Um and continues to be a challenge that uh, the the whole interoperability equation is working to to help master at some level yeah so knowing your backdrop and the con you know i i'm fascinated with the whole move and some of the dynamics that are involved right now in the move toward the understanding of needing to you know for for traditional health systems to look at the people that they serve as consumers and and what that is means and looks like, um, what does it take for a healthcare organization to you know what do they need to be from a cultural perspective to impact that kind of transformation or that kind of movement? What are some of the things that really need to be in place? I mean you know
0: change management is such a key uh, piece um, to that John. I think there's Inevitably, a lot of operational and otherwise disjointedness as we continue to move towards this notion of systemness, um, and I think there's varying levels of of how that is happening right now across the industry. But that ultimately creates an environment um, where folks feel comfortable coming together, and I use the word comfortable because I think that's really important. It requires sometimes a lot of uncomfortable conversations when you've got people in marketing versus finance versus operations versus clinical informatics talking together, speaking different languages, having been historically kind of siloed in their areas um, for a number of reasons. you talked about, you know, data, um, disparate data sources is a big part of that. Using different technologies, leveraging different data sources, has um, kind of created some of that disjointedness. So I think to answer your question, that's really where it starts, is trying to find ways to, to come together and just to, to start, start talking. You know, we all have common goals. How do we work on that together?
1: Yeah, and it's never easy for an organization to confront a gap, right? I mean, that's yeah. all, because uh, it, it's pin the tail on the gap is the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh is the game that a lot of people end up playing in those scenarios and and you can't afford to do that especially when the call is as urgent as it is right now with health systems needing to very quickly and effectively address their the, the consumer opportunities that exist as in their organizations um so what i know and you know we 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 talk about when we any we're going to talk about consumer engagement the conversation very cl- very quickly turns to technology because we're talking about communication of a lot of things to a lot of people it's not something that uh that we we can't build call centers when staff call centers that big and let alone afford it it has to involve um you know, it has to involve automation and it has to involve uh, a robust tech stack um what were some of the things that you were employing in the context of Trinity and to what end and, and, uh, how, what did that look like?
0: Yeah. So CRM was a, a, a big part. So, you know, our customer relationship management platform and solution was used, you know, primarily for a lot of patient acquisition, uh, campaigns and strategies, but it also, uh, kind of spilled into the contact center or call center as kind of that conduit or way to kind of bridge the gap in between marketing sure. and the call center um, so that was a big piece of what i worked on um, also of course the ecosystem and tech stack associated with the call center in terms of a telephony platform agent councils a lot of that i learned um, but ultimately allows agents and customer care reps to serve patients and community members those are kind of the two biggest pieces of technologies or platforms that I was involved with, um, and the the challenge having kind of come from the marketing world into operations and into the call center was how to bridge the gap between those two worlds um, to help not only manage uh, daily call volume for your you know kind of uh, you know basic call needs, but also to help. Um, at a more sophisticated level, engage with community members specific to campaigns and other initiatives.
1: And so what were some of the conversations and some of the technology that's, that, that was beginning to get a foothold? What were some of the innovations that you all were looking at in that realm?
0: Yeah, so we were, tr- we were really trying to, one of the areas that's still a, a, a nut that I'm trying to crack, um, and I think a lot of your listeners probably are to an extent, is the kind of not only bridging the gap between call centers and marketing, but in the clinical space, finding ways to seamlessly transition uh, folks to a nurse navigator, for example. Um, mm-hmm. If there is an initiative around, um, you know, lung cancer, you know, how do you uh, empower an agent or a customer care rep to guide somebody through a conversation that has concerns for? lung cancer, sticking with that as an example, as far as you can go until you know they may potentially qualify for different services. How do you operationalize a way to get them connected to that navigator, to that clinical um, member of your organization to, to help them get the services they need, which, you know, in other industries probably seems really simple. Um, but in mm-hmm. healthcare, as you know, and as many of your listeners know, it, that's really, really difficult. Um, but it's something we've got to figure out, and that was that's an area to answer your question where we were moving towards what felt like a very innovative um, thing from a process perspective and a workflow perspective. But transparently, we didn't quite get there, and that that's an area that I think um, we're all we're all continuing to work towards. Gotcha.
1: So, knowing that you know so, that you were looking at those elements and and staring at some of that horizon, what were some of the factors that led you to to the move to Innovator? What what did you see as uh, as compelling on that side of the equation that you wanted to help make happen?
0: Yeah, you know, I'll I'll kind of go back to one of our uh, founders, Kanav. who's our chief product officer, and he talks about and does it much better than I do, but rediscovering the joy of medicine. Um, and I think about that a lot. It's, it's a kind of a, a rallying cry for us at Innovation, what we really try to do for customers. And that resonates with me quite a bit, having spent the majority of my career on that side, because as we all know, the pandemic took its toll, on not just providers and physicians and clinicians, but healthcare professionals. As a whole, um, the agents mm-hmm. that I served with in the call center, um, things got really hard and are continuing yep. to be difficult. Um, but I feel like we are at this point now um, where the technology's at of place, there, there's so much focus on consumer engagement that we're starting to see um, some movement that's helping not only create better experiences for our patients and our community members, but again helping people rediscover the joy because people work, you don't work in in healthcare for, for giggles. You do it because you love what you do and you kind of embrace the chaos. Um, but that's what, that's what motivates me. Or at least tolerate it. (laughs) Or tolerate it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. But, uh, every now and then you see examples of where people are starting to kind of rediscover that, that joy. And that, that keeps me going. If I can, if I can help our customers do that, that fills my bucket every day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how is Innovacer approaching s- making that inroad? You know, what, what does it look like marketing in the health systems? What are some of the things uh, and some of the, the messages and ideas that you guys are pulling forward in and around this engagement realm and the consumer realm? How are you, uh, how are you s- having that conversation?
0: yeah i mean we keep it's not like a broken record but i think it's important that it goes back to data um you know knowing we we put so much emphasis on getting that part right as you mentioned and articulated well at, at the beginning bringing together different data sources and in, into one record to allow our customers um to take action and and um That is a real differentiator for us and where historically, um, you know, marketers and other professionals in healthcare have kind of looked at data as this black box where you don't know what you don't know, um, where we like to think we've created an approach and a practice to data management where that becomes fully transparent and Mm -hmm. allows customers to understand their own data um, in a meaningful way so that it's not always going to answer all the questions, but it'll help you ask the right, uh, give you all the answers, but it'll help you ask the right questions.
1: No doubt, no doubt. As you guys are, are looking at engaging with those organizations on the, from the innov- innovator side, and you know, kind of combining that with some of your direct experience on the, uh, on the provider side, what are some of the obstacles you've experienced in integrating new technologies, new platforms that, um, that end up causing challenges or, you know, what are some of the things that you would want organizations to know coming into a health system and how are you helping innovator ease that process?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, honestly, I'll, I'll, I think it's always good to, um, celebrate success, but also learn from failures. And one of my, um, not personal failures, but when I had Trinity, we recognized pretty quickly that we had a missed opportunity as it related to integrating the technology that was used to support agents with some of those marketing initiatives that we didn't have our end users, our agents, our customer care ups really at the table from the onset. Mm-hmm to help understand and have that, that
1: the actual anatomy of things. Yep. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. What's right. actually
1: happening on the ground.
0: Right. Right. And I think, um, I think that's a really common missed step. And, you know, going back to the idea of the joy of medicine, it's hard to, to, to find joy in your work when the tools you have don't work the way they're supposed to work or the way that you need them to work. So that's one that's one aspect i think is making sure your end users are at the table from the onset have them involved as much as you can possibly have them involved Uh, number one to create some ownership but also Mm -hmm. to get the product where it needs to be um so that's one piece and we certainly uh practice that or or encourage that with our our customers at innovator as we go through implementation but the other piece too john is really understanding the tech stack and ecosystem um, and being able to visualize what that looks like so and as you know listeners know as well like that that's that's really complicated if you were to put it on a on a whiteboard it, it looks like a kind of a mess but understand what that mess is and where this new piece of technology fits in and how it actually integrates and a very specific story I can think of, you know, hearkening back to the Trinity days when we had the call center, we recognized that the council, the agents were using wasn't integrated with the new solution. So we had to create a um, a middleware, which is like a bandaid solution to fix that. I know that's a very specific example,
1: but that, not an uncommon one. I mean, that's really happens. Yeah. So, yeah. Those are, those are the two things I would think of. Yeah, great points. Um, when, you, when you look at um, the process of, in, you know, what, what I know is part of what Innovator is enabling is better, cleaner patient data. Yep. And how do you, uh, and data, uh, clean data is certainly an, an important part when we're looking at segmenting and understanding who it is that we're, we're talking, uh, talking to and working to engage. Um, how does segmentation, how do you see segmentation and, and uh, how does this delineation evolve based on the specific target markets that you're concentrating on?
0: Yeah, so I kind of go back to Trinity first um, because a lot of those principles apply to what we do at Intervacer, um within CRM and the customers that we work with. So there are a number of ways. Um, the most common in terms of developing a delineation between those types is uh, using dif- different like clinical propensity models. So taking your existing data and using propensity models to understand people that are most likely in need mm-hmm. of knee surgery or may be in need of weight loss options. And not always perfect, but it helps you kind of go after the the unknown, so to speak, the folks within your Primary, secondary service areas, and maybe raising their hand in need of services. It helps you kind of understand um, who they are and how to uh, kind of target them accordingly. So that's one way to, to kind of um, delineate between those groups. Um, and within those groups, of course, you've got folks that are actively engaged with your health system, those that uh, maybe haven't engaged in a while and could be um, less active and some that are unknown. They may be, uh, looking to establish care, or they may be Mm -hmm. working with multiple, um, competitors in your, your region. Uh, and there are attributes of their profile that can surface that up, um, so that you can market to them accordingly.
1: Yeah. How, um, if you were to look at in, in the context of your role at Innovacer, who are some of the personas and interact the folks on on the health system end that you're most frequently finding yourself working with?
0: So I I think of it as a at the highest level you've got um, you know buyers which could be uh, you know the the chief level so CIOs chief consumer officers um, chief marketing officers, but you also have equally as important, the influencers of those buyers. So those would be, um, you know, maybe directors, um, managers, um, in marketing, knowing that CRM is a big focus for me. So those are kind of at the high level, how we kind of group up those two, um, personas, uh, Who I deal with and who we deal with most commonly, I'd say, would be the influencers. So the Mm -hmm. folks that are going to be either using the technology or managing the teams that use the technology, uh, because we want to make sure it's a good fit, that um, our solutions, our applications, our approach kind of aligns with their thought process, but also will ultimately work with their teams on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah, in my experience the influencers are often the uh the black sheep. They're not necessarily folks that people are spending a whole lot of time, effort and energy in treating and I see that as a pretty consistent mistake. Talk a little bit about how you guys are how you differentiate there and yeah. what types of things you're doing to engage in the context of the influencer space as opposed to the more traditional Uh, buyer. Yeah. I like that. That's
0: a really good term. The black sheep. That is very much kind of fits that, that, uh, persona, but our, our or at least
1: the forgotten sheep, the forgotten (laughs) sheep. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, honestly, I think a big part of it is knowing that these are not the buyers per se, helping them have a voice because inevitably these are a lot Mm -hmm. of folks that are very, uh, passionate about the work they do, sometimes obsessive in a good way, yeah um you look at any healthcare organization that has a successful uh you know marketing team, whatever that function is, it always stems from somebody that has that 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 kind of unwavering commitment and obsession, so finding ways rather than selling to them, give them a voice um doing what mm-hmm. you're doing, providing this amazing platform. Um, for people to to talk about what gets them excited, um, because number one, you're going to learn a lot. You know, approaching that with curiosity um, helps you individually, and in turn helps them feel better about the work that they do. And if you have solutions and services that could serve them, then you're empowering them to have those conversations internally. Nothing's more powerful than that. It, it needs to come from Um, internal folks within their stakeholders
1: i i really couldn't agree more and it really to me is becoming an increasingly important framework because what i know is you know i we we interview a number of cios on healthcare market matrix because they're one of the primary buyers right and none of them have got time None of them do. None of them sit around going "Wonder, wonder what I should consider today. Yeah. (laughs) Um, their, their, uh, their list is long. Their, the, the competition for their time is fierce and, uh, and who they decide, especially from an outside perspective, who they decide to listen to is really, (laughs) really carefully relegated. Yeah. And, and, What I also know, because I would say that this is very common in the CIO role from my experience also, is the people that that have that position are usually extremely empathetic and very tuned in to the people that report under them, because they're all in this pretty difficult challenge together. And I've been really impressed across the board with the folks that we've talked to about how, uh, how well-tuned they are to the anatomy and the challenges of their organizations. So it just makes sense to spend some time cultivating relationships and equipping the influencers to tell your story extremely well. Yep. Um, because if you can do that, if you can, if you can help them become your advocate in, in a world where you've got a CIO who truly is desiring to... You know, to figure this equation out and meet the needs of an organization, that that voice is the best voice if it's coming from a, a sincere, direct report who uh, who has found something that they're passionate about and can tell a story that is meeting one of their needs. Boy, that seems like a that that seems like a really well positioned opportunity. Yeah, I
0: agree, and I think too it, it just to kind of. Add on to that, it shows, you know, at the CIO chief level, C-suite level, um, somebody that's willing to spend time like that, I think, with their team means a lot. You know, they 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 see the um, benefit and value in doing that, um, not only to give them a voice, but to learn from them, and it just creates more of that relationship as you evolve from just a transactional um, type engagement. So
1: yeah Makes no sense. doubt um so what i know is that right now to foster stronger patient relationships the healthcare industry is really shifting away from what we're talking about i mean the traditional engagement methods we're not seeing the kind of billboards we used to see right. <laughs> billboards are no longer a primary strategy of healthcare systems and if they are we we have a problem um so, putting greater emphasis on proactive engagement strategies, so um, let's talk about how to measure success there and what you've you've seen. Um, how would you recommend that healthcare technology companies think about uh, messaging these types of strategies and and the system to the systems they partner with, and we'll start with acquisition. you know what uh, what does that look like?
0: yeah, I mean it's you mentioned. Um, you know, kind of evolving from billboards and we still see billboards, which is crazy.
1: No, there still are billboards. There's and still we there. See how many um, minutes do you have to wait in the ER? Those still exist in our little community. Yes,
0: yes. Um, so it 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 is a challenge, but within acquisition, um, you know, I think, and your point is well stated, you know, how do we get past uh, or get more proactive? Um, so using... Using data, we've got, as mentioned, access to so much data. But how do we take uh, some of the key pieces of that data to help understand what that next? You know, we talk about next best action. That's a term used quite a bit, but I think it lends itself to acquisition well because it's anticipating what the the next need could be, whether that's in the conversation with an agent in a call center or for campaigns and different communication tactics that are designed to to help understand what that might be so it's it's really showing uh what that next best action could be in helping community members take action on that um so that that comes to mind right away as it relates to acquisition um Mm -hmm. and and then you know other uh areas too more kind of in the population health element element but um you know how do we reduce. Um, ED admissions and and uh, recognizing cohorts of patients within your hospital or health system that may uh, have a propensity towards that, you know, and, and acting accordingly.
1: How about in the context of retention? Uh, you know, when we're looking at about at, toward identity-based engagement and how how can healthcare technology companies how should they be thinking about designing data to help accelerate retention strategies for health healthcare company
0: i always start with a you know show me that you know me um, and it's it's so hard to get to that level of one to one personalization but we have to keep moving um, in that direction and you know the, the the data is there to to do that but the the challenge is surfacing and serving up elements mm-hmm. of that data that will help empower our customers um, to demonstrate that, um, you know, very quickly we talk about, you know, the most common is, um, somebody that's due for an annual well visit. Looks like you are, um, it's been over a couple of years. Would you like me to help you get that scheduled for you? Uh, again, sounds very simple in other industries. That is a challenge in healthcare, but a very, uh, you know, feasible way to, show folks that you know them, create that one-to-one personalization and ultimately retain um your uh your patience. So I think it's it's really that piece of of personalization.
1: Yeah, that makes sense and is going to be an increasingly critical component and expected component as uh as some of the bigs continue to enter the space with gusto and they already know a whole lot about us. Exactly. Uh, that feels uh feels like they're living with us. That's because they they kind of are. Um they know what's in our houses, they know what our buying habits are, and uh that's a lot of powerful that's a lot of powerful data. We used to say,
0: and you'll probably appreciate this, it's kind of along those lines with that mindset, reminding our customers, our marketers that we're not selling shoes. So we have to use the the principles, the technologies in the context of healthcare, So you can't, don't be creepy. Just show me that you know me.
1: <laughs> yep. That's a good, how about in context of leakage? How, how should, uh, solution providers be regarding that?
0: Yeah. You know, claims data is a big piece to that. I think that will help, um, identify where there are, uh, where there is existing leakage, um, so that you can act accordingly. That is this can be a scary thing um, for a lot of folks. It was for me um, just because there are so many different clearing houses and companies that are uh,
1: selling that housing data.
0: and selling it. And it's, it's rich yeah. data, but what do you do with that? Um, but there are a lot of, I'm seeing a lot of emerging um, solutions, dashboards that are taking that data and making it visual, making it actionable um, so sure. that you can clearly see where that leakage is occurring um, and start asking some of those important questions.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. How talk to us, there's, you know, clearly data is one of the most powerful assets that a healthcare system has in its possession and how it leverages that is, uh, is really critical. And I think that as a vendor showing that you understand that and are a good steward of that, um, is really important, but uh what strategy or, or initiatives um do you see being front and center around that uh when we're talking about the you know how we how we're improving customer uh relationships and engagement what are what are some of the things that we are looking at as a whole organization around treating data, data as a strategic asset
0: yeah i mean it's it's got a you got to lead with With data, um, and again, a lot of the folks and customers that I work with are in the marketing consumer engagement space, and historically, that's been lacking from the story. but mm-hmm. but starting with data creates a level of objectivity that kind of takes the emotion out and there's so much emotion um, in healthcare, especially kind of going back to our earlier points around this movement towards systemness but it's we're kind of limping towards systemness and through that there's some some challenges and there's a lot of feelings and a lot of emotions but data kind of takes that away and allows us to work on a common platform and a common playing field um, because it's hard to argue with with data but it's also important to know that It's not always going to give you all the answers. It's going to help you ask the right questions, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So those are some of the pieces, John, that we work on with. And it is so important. I think this is a great topic around um, developing a practice around the technology. It's not just about the technology, but how do you really develop uh, a practice and empower customers to articulate the value through data keeping data at the forefront of those conversations. Um, And honestly, data's fun. I'm not even a data guy per se. I'm not a data scientist. Uh, But when you find ways to uh, use data to kind of tell your story and to validate what you do, it's um, going back to that idea of, you know, rediscovering the joy of medicine. It creates joy. It's a fun thing when you learn how to use it the right way.
1: You know, it's one of the things that makes me that I just am always puzzled at. And I'm sure that from my naive perspective, that I am missing a big part of the complexities associated with this. But we work with a number of platform companies, and I've been exposed to a number of platform companies that have un, um, um, just amazing access to amazing troves of powerful data around different engagement patterns around different, you know, identified, you know, things that, that could be really meaningful. And it, it's been interesting to me to look at how many technology companies put their, put their solution forward mean, you know, and their solution mean it has just all this phenomenal, perspective and insight around data, you know, opportunities around data, and they are not planning to leverage that intelligently. You know, they're, hmm. they're, they're putting, they're like, I look at these, these organizations and what they have to do, what the, the opportunities they have across their client base to identify benchmarking, to identify, you know, trend, you know, trend analysis. It doesn't have to be identified data. It's just trend analysis, you know, (laughs) know. and and what kind of level of insight that could provide their customers if they could say, hey, across our platform, here are things that we're seeing that are, are going to be clear indicators of X, Y, Z, you know, and they don't, they don't have that as a prioritization in their, uh, you know, and, and and I just look at and go, what an incredible value potential. Sure but they just let it sit there in the, you know, in the process of, and and I, like I said, I'm sure that I have a very naive perspective on what that takes to do, but it sure seems like if you stuck a data scientists on it, they could come up with a very compelling product edition that could provide great value to their customers. That would not, that wouldn't mess up anybody's compliance agreements.
0: Yep. Agreed. And it's just, I mean, no, and also it's the, the good point of how we need to be more, um, uh, transparent and, and for the greater good. Right. I mean, there's, there's that yeah opportunity as well. Like, of course, we're all, we all have, um, you know, business goals and objectives and needs that are unique to our areas of work, but there's also a a greater good that I think we can all focus on. I think that's that's kind of what you're hitting on.
1: There's ways that we can make, we, we can achieve both. Yes, no doubt about it. So if let's, let's pull back a little bit. Um, if you could share, you know, because you've, uh, you've looked at life from both sides now, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, if you could share with a health tech company, a piece of advice, you know uh, knowing that you you've sat on both sides and knowing that you've experienced some of the the uh the wins and the shortfalls with some of the organizations that you've worked with um what's a piece of advice that you would uh, would you put forward that might be helpful as a to marketing you know company marketing solutions into the healthcare space
0: yeah i think a lot of it is trying to, to solve real problems and, uh, <laughs> than making that would, get,
1: that would go into the obvious <laughs> fundamentals that are so often ignored. It's yes. so true.
0: But I think that, you know, the, the challenge of solving real problems as it takes a certain level of, I don't know if it's vulnerability or curiosity, humility, humility, Yep, yeah. yeah, right. To, to understand what those, and they could be super small. They could be very, um, specific Things, but as you, if your ability to, um, either solve problems or work Mm -hmm. towards solving those problems goes a long way in developing trust and rapport, um, in the spirit of a a, a true partnership. So that'd be my recommendation is just, is trying, trying to, to find those real problems.
1: Yeah. It's such a Phenomenal thing to watch happen. We have a process that we work through with our clients, where we're working to unearth the real problems that people in their market are facing, and mm. we do it through a, a workshop process with their stakeholders and sometimes some outside experts coming in and just and and, and we we list problems faced that are in any way uh, related to their product directly or their offering. And we just put up the primary problems that real people in the real world are really facing every day. Oh. And and we we list those out and we put them in priority order. Real and priority is determined by urgency combined with willingness to pay to solve. Hmm. <laughs> because at the end of the day, those are, are pretty important factors. Sure. And and it's amazing to me, Mitch, how often that is a incredibly relevant revelatory conversation you know what we, we see is they'll confront that problem list and they'll look at the top top two or three problems and say so help me understand why we only have a 50 percent solution for that and we're down here on problem number nine ten and eleven spending a bunch of development cycles solving for these problems that are pretty far down the list when we could reallocate those efforts to creating a hundred percent solution for our number one, two, and three problem. And it's just because they've not, they're looking at what they, the technology can do as opposed to what the market actually needs and will pay for. And it's an easy thing when you're, when you're in, when you're focused on technology solving problems, to run after the problem that avails itself after the last conversation you had with a leader, you know, or something like that. And and it becomes a priority, even though that leader of that particular health system that you happen to be talking to has a little bit of an esoteric problem that yes, you can solve, but it's a, you know, it's not going to be a market mover. And so doing the work of really, like you said, Mitch, just doing the work of really understanding what the real problems are. Yeah. is critical and we continue to hear from a number of folks on on the buyer side that you've got to do that work. You've got to get into their world and understand what's really going on in their particular s- scenario and speak to that. Yes, you know, be yes. be informed and speak to that directly. Don't just come in with your blanket and expect to cover their feet with it. You may not be able to. Yep. Um that's right. That It's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky scenario for sure.
0: It's a great example.
1: Um, What, um, when, you know, putting your, your provider hat back on again. Sure. um, When you were in that seat, where were you learning about new innovations? What were some of the channels that were, that you were living in and that were effectively reaching you?
0: Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm sure um, I wasn't alone in this regard, but, you know, traveling, budgets are, are very thin if they're, they are getting cut at cuts. all. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. um, when, when I, when I could, uh, I would say my top three, um, conferences, HCIC, which is healthcare internet conference, Shishmid, I think most mm-hmm. listeners are familiar with that. And then HMPS, um, are the, the three top marketing, uh, technology focused yeah. conferences, But, um, so I would glean a lot either from going or, um, getting access to sessions. And then aside from that, just a lot of, um, podcasts. I love podcasts. I love learning. Um, um, so, you know, being active on LinkedIn, understanding where there's content, uh, to, to glean from and and other thought leaders to learn from. So that's a, that's our, um, two, two biggest areas, I'd say, for me.
1: Yeah. So going the other direction, what things annoyed you? What What were things that you were seeing happen that you're just going, oh, come on? What was? Uh, what were some of your pet peeves?
0: Uh, gosh, you know, I think it's more, I guess it kind of goes back to, and I loved your example of how you really surface up real problems and spending time to develop relationships. the The opposite of that is, you know, cold calls or cold emails or cold Messages on LinkedIn when somebody doesn't know you, but they're pushing a product. Um, and it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it's kind of shocking that it still happens, um, more than it it should. To me, that's the biggest annoying thing.
1: Yeah, I hear that pretty frequently. It is, uh, as I mentioned, I mean, you gotta, you gotta show up and you gotta know, um, and have done your work. I think that, uh, It it keeps being increasingly underscored and and stuff I'm aware of that, you know, those, those more account-based movements and how we, how we get information about a particular health system that we can then figure out how to create campaigns around that would target specific needs, um, and be, and be relevant. Yeah, Seems really, uh, increasingly important. Great. Well, that's, that's, uh. Some great points there. What is on uh, innovators' front burner right now? What are some of the things that you are involved with that that you're excited about and bringing forward um, that we can be looking for?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the big focus for me, CRM, as I mentioned, is still um, one of our newer products and offerings, but um, having a chance to really understand it deeply, from a product um, perspective, I'm so excited about you know bringing this, continuing to bring this into market as it continues to mature, helping other um, marketers and healthcare professionals understand the benefit of a CRM within a data company that historically is rooted in, in value-based care and population health management. It's a really unique blend of those worlds. Um, so I think that's really at, at the the forefront for me, John, is just continuing to um find our existing customers, help them find success, but also uh introduce these uh solutions to others as well where there is a where there is a fit.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And it all comes yeah, you know, at the end of the day, all these things are determined to help make the lives of providers, the folks who are on the front lines, making things happen, be able to do their jobs better and more effectively because they have the, they're they're working with the right people and the right audiences and the right understanding of who they are exactly. And uh, and that is ends up being such a critical component. So, um, so just winding up here. Uh, first of all, I would just like to say, Mitch, thank you for for joining us today and offering your perspectives on this just want to make a blanket uh invitation to our audience any feedback topic suggestions ideas you have bouncing off of this for future episodes that's actually how mitch found us he had some feedback or some some thoughts he wanted to offer and and we started a conversation um but that would be great uh mitch where can our listeners uh, follow you and understand more about what's going on with you
0: yeah and again thank you for for having me on this has been um a pleasure and uh, folks can find me on uh, LinkedIn very active i am on twitter or x as they say now at mch <laughs> as <110. they> say. <laughs> It
1: feels weird as they as they reluctantly say <laughs> I don't know how to do it. but
0: admittedly i will say i would say the the twitter x space is my like half and half of of work and my uh, personal endeavors and sports and other things. So, fair warning there, LinkedIn. I'm I'm all in on on work stuff, but I really really love um, interacting. So, please reach out. I love having conversations, learning from others. That's um, the best way for for me to grow and hopefully to help others do the same. So,
1: well, and Mitch, I'll just say too, I really appreciate you um, setting aside your your football allegiance <laughs> to, uh, to spend some time as a, uh, as a fan of the maze and gold, talking to a fan of the scarlet and gray, um, you know, one of the great rivalries, rivalries, but you, you handled it really well. And I appreciate yeah. that. See, we can get along down. Who knew? <laughs> That's, Who right. knew That's right. Wolverines
0: can get along. There's that. We're too. all people. That's right.
1: That's right. <laughs> uh well thanks a lot mitch uh appreciate you joining us here today on healthcare market matrix
0: my pleasure thanks john
1: healthcare market matrix is a ratio original podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then jump over to healthcaremarketmatrix.com and subscribe and we'd really appreciate your support in the form of a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform it does make a difference Also, while you're there, you can become a part of the Healthcare Market Matrix community and get access to courses and content that's created just for you by signing up for Insights Squared, a monthly newsletter dedicated to bringing you the latest health tech marketing insights right to your inbox. Ratio is an award winning marketing agency headquartered in B. Nashville, Tennessee. We operate at the intersection of brand and growth marketing to equip companies with strategies to create meaningful connections with the healthcare market and ultimately drive growth. Want to know more? Go to goratio.com. That's G O R A T I O.com. And we'll see you at noon central next week for an all new episode from our team at ratio studios. Stay healthy.